2: From Beijing, China, this is the China Sports Insider Podcast. I am Hyke Balian, and I am with Mark Dreyer. He is the China Sports Insider. Today on the show, China shows up at the 100-meter final, the IOC's rule to stop political speech is put to the test by Chinese athletes, and much, much more. Mark, there is a lot to talk about today.
0: I hope you're ready. I certainly am. I mean, let's talk about the big pictures to start with. And to be honest, all the predictions were saying, you know, this is a foregone conclusion. China is likely going to finish second to the US, both in terms of total medals and in terms of gold. For those who haven't been following the Olympics, the official way to calculate it is by gold medals first, and then if it's a tie by silver and bronze. But the way that the US and I believe Canada also does it is total medals. Now, there's ...different reasons for that. We won't go into it. But it's really, really interesting right now. The way the schedule breaks down is that China is kind of front-loaded with its medal chances... ...and then the US comes back strong with track and field at the end. But I'm not sure, for the first time today, I'm not sure the US is going to do it. China, overnight, coming into uh, day 12 today, was seven goals ahead. The US picked up a couple early, but then they had a disastrous men's 4 x 100 meter relay... And uh, I don't know if you saw Carl Lewis's comments. I saw that. I was going to say, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, he was just like, this is a shambles. It's just like embarrassing. And would you know it? China won the heat in which the U.S. finished sixth. So I, I still don't think uh, you know China's going to win the gold, but they got a chance for a medal. But uh, what it does mean is that that's another golden opportunity gone missing for the U.S. And every one that they lose now, it means China has a better chance of staying on top.
2: So... So what does this mean for China? What does this, if, if they come in first place, what, what does that mean, big picture, for, for Chinese um,
0: sport? It's, it's hugely significant. Um, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, in Beijing 2008, uh, China was on top of the gold medal count. But it, it's sort of expected at every uh, Olympics that there, there's a home, uh, home nation boost. Japan is miles past its previous best ever goals. Um, and continuing to rank them up. So um, that was sort of not unexpected at the time in terms of Beijing. So this is the first time really that China, uh, if it manages to hold on, and we should still say it's a, it's an if at this point, but this would be the first time that China has basically dominated. Now, it's interesting because, of course, that reflects a lot of national pride for, for the China, uh, China and the Chinese people, and there's been great support of the athletes, a lot of pride, and celebrating uh, all these achievements. But at the same time, over the years, coinciding with some disappointing more disappointing performances in um, uh, in London in 2012 and then in Rio 2016 where actually the, the the Great Britain team kind of carrying on the momentum from London finished second, China fell down to third, which was not um, not sort of uh, received very well back home in China. But we've had a lot of comments over these Olympic cycles o- about China moving away from this golden obsession and to be honest it feels now like we're reversing course and that it is back to gold is everything i feel that as china becomes a more dominant power just in in geopolitical terms you know that is being reflected uh, in the medal table and, and people are kind of embracing that back home so instead of the discussion about you know it's it's not just about this we can celebrate golden uh silvers and bronze i feel like you know of course, it helps that they're winning. That's got to be do something to do with it. But but it's uh, it's been interesting to see how the discussion has changed from Olympic cycle to Olympic cycle, and now it kind of feels like we're reversing course. You know, it's
2: it's really interesting to see this reaction. And and you know, I've been following you on Twitter, obviously, and, and you've had a lot to say on Twitter um, about that. And and I felt like this week you finally sort of, well, you had a snap, Mark. <laughs> <What was that? laughs> <laughs> well, what not. was what was no you didn't really snap i mean what was the last straw though it was it was a great thread by the way and if you haven't hop onto twitter uh on marks twitter and 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 look at it look like, what 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 was the last straw for you so
0: it was really it was kind of it was a mixture of it was some conflicting feelings i suppose there have been so many examples of Chinese athletes interacting fantastically well with foreign athletes it's been really heartwarming to see. As basically the global dialogue with China and, to be honest, many different countries uh, has worsened and deteriorated over the past few years for, for various reasons, which we don't need to go into here, you know, it's been refreshing and surprisingly nice. To see these kind of uh, positive stories, so you have, you know, the the, the Chinese girl who won the, the windsurfing, and she's celebrating. They're all basically th- the three medalists in the water together. They're all competing for the gold, but they're, you know, hugging each other in the water at the finish line. Uh, there was a there was a British swimmer who um, specifically uh, interrupted Wangshen's uh, interview, live interview on on CCTV, to say, "Well done, mate! You know, g- great race." And this was a guy who had sort of feuded openly with another Chinese swimmer, Sun Yang. So. Um, If anything, you would think that there might be some bad blood between the two nations. That certainly wasn't the case. There were other examples as well, and I I think probably highlighted best in the the women's gymnastics when Simone Biles came back on the beam, and then there was uh, Sunisa Lee, who was seen uh, openly cheering for the Chinese uh, competitors, her rivals. And she was posting afterwards, basically saying, uh, you know, we're best friends. I'm so proud of the Chinese gymnasts. Yes, they're a little bit younger, but you know, Sunisa Lee is not exactly old. Um, just to see that camaraderie. Now, you know, it, it, it feels like it's a two-way thing. The, the Chinese athletes haven't been quite as open as sort of you know celebrating performances of their rivals. But um, you know, it's been there. That 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 mutual positivity has been there for all to see. And I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. But but on the flip side, unfortunately, we've seen some pretty nasty comments online with people celebrating the defeats of other nations. So, for example, when Sunisa Lee um, slipped up and almost fell off the beam, uh, one of the commentators, uh, Cheny Bing, who's a former uh, gymnastics champion from, from China, he was sort of saying, yes, you know, this is great news for for China. And a lot of people online thought that was hilarious. Um, we had another example where the, the, the Chinese and the Japanese table tennis players have had some pretty intense... Uh, battles. The players themselves, on, on the female side, are known to be very, very close friends, very good friends, bringing each other uh, lunches and so on, and and sort of saying, "Oh, make sure you stand this way so you look better in the photos." That sort of camaraderie and interplay. Yet, online, people are celebrating Japanese defeats more than they're actually celebrating Chinese victories. So, it's just a bit disappointing, to be honest. That 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 the Chinese athletes themselves have been such great shining examples um and unfortunately that's sort of being lost in some of the the more unpleasant i guess nationalistic stuff online and and let me just say you know the internet as, as i said on twitter the internet can be a, a cesspit anywhere this is not specifically a china thing but i just I, i've been so impressed by the chinese athletes um and i kind of wish that, that, that there'd been a little bit more celebration of that instead of some of the the, the more uh, unpleasant uh, elements one story that you mentioned though was about this badminton
2: player Chen Ching-shen. yeah, and I, and I love this story. So she was playing, <laughs> so she was playing a doubles match against South Korea, and she kept on shouting something that sounded like "wotao," which loosely translates to "fuck." This is against the rules; you can't do that in a game. So so the South Korean Badminton Association complained to the Badminton World Federation. Chen apologized on Weibo, and she said she was just trying to encourage herself. Some of her supporters argued that she wasn't actually yelling "Wotzao," she was actually yelling "Watch out"
0: in English. Um, yeah, so I think that's. The- uh, I don't I'm not going to give too much uh credit to, to that argument. I think that was probably uh, you know used as, as more of a joke. I mean, look, on the one hand, I like seeing players fired up. You know, you want to see them. Um, you want to see them really passionate about their sport and, 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 and giving it everything. And the swearing wasn't directed at the South Korean opponents, which is obviously it, it shouldn't be. But, you know, you, you kind of think, well, if it had been in, in a Chinese tournament broadcast on CCTV, she definitely would have been reprimanded or at least, you know, CCTV would would have censored the language. Because, as you said, it's basically like, you know, what what's out? It's like the F word. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it wasn't the best example for kids, but uh, I think she kind of apologized afterwards. And uh, perhaps one of those stories that was made a little bit more um, of overseas than, 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 than it needed to be. Now, Usain Bolt has been the man at sprinting events at the
2: Olympics since Beijing 2008. He's retired now, obviously. I, I didn't realize just how wide open the field was until the semifinals. Uh, Su Bingtian. He absolutely came out of nowhere and won his heat with a time of 9.83, which is a new Asian record. Um, He came in sixth place, I believe, in the finals with a 9.98. But that didn't matter here. What was the reaction here in China?
0: I mean, his semifinal uh, performance was absolutely astounding, I have to say. I'll be honest. I've been a little bit skeptical of Su Bing Tian over the last three to four years because I felt that the media here has sort of hyped him to a level that his his performance hasn't actually warranted. They've been desperate to, to find a track star following the, uh, the retirement of, uh, of Liu Xiang, the 110-metre the hurdlist who who, of course, won in 2004. But, you know, we're going back a little bit. And then he had disappointments with injury in 2008 and again in, in 2012. So it's been a long time that, that China has has been looking to replace a track star. Then, of course, you've seen the retirements of Yao Ming and Li Na, And so Su is kind of anointed... For me, way before his time as the next big thing in China. However, this performance finally justified the hype. 9.83. His previous PB was 9.91. And everyone has been running incredible times on this track. It's supposed to be a little bit springier than before, so it's kind of more energy efficient. It's giving that boost. But still, he was the fastest qualifier and his start was absolutely—I mean, my jaw just, just dropped. He was so far ahead at 30 meters, and he held on. Uh, he had a couple of other guys coming right back at him, and he and he dipped them on the line. So he was the fastest qualified going into the final. Um, I think in those two hours between the semis and the final, the whole of China was sort of you know buzzing about this, and word got out that people know of him, but you know he hasn't really been a medal contender. And as you said, it's such—it was such a wide open field. That you know, he was kind of the man to be. He had the quickest time, so he had one of the middle lanes, which is where you want to be for the final. Now, clearly, you know, he he probably gave a little bit too much in the semi; didn't have enough, wasn't able to repeat that performance. He's a guy who goes out hard. He's got such a strong start, and then tries to hang on. And he didn't have a good start in the final, so you know, he was still under ten minutes. Uh, it, unfortunately, he 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 was out of the medals. But um, I think the the Chinese media and the Chinese public have really embraced just that semi-final performance um, because of the time, Asian record. And, um, you know, historically, there haven't been uh, many or, or, or any Chinese sprinters, not in the men's 100 meters. We've had 110 meter hurdles, which is similar but different with Liu Shang. So uh, it's, I think my sense is that people are embracing it because it's kind of a sign of progress it's it's another barrier broken down by a chinese athlete he's going to inspire the next generation and there's it's no people are no longer thinking you know chinese can't run fast you know chinese can't do this chinese can't do that it's it's another example of of as i said progress being made they've been winning olympic golds in in many different uh, disciplines and uh, perhaps uh, hundred meters would would well it'd be the icing on the cake but but something now realistically that a that a chinese kid growing up could shoot for in future olympics are the, speaking of the next generation? Do you are there
2: any other um, sprinters in the pipeline in China?
0: Not to anywhere like the same degree. Now Su Bing is is into his thirties, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, but what a time to what a time to come. Good. I mean, it was it was a shame that he couldn't, um, you know, he couldn't have saved that that performance for the final. Um, but uh, it was yeah, it was it was a wide open field. It was the perfect year to do it on this track with with no kind of clear favorite. Um, but, it, it, you know, I, I, I think it's definitely worth stressing. China has 32 golds so far. And this was probably celebrated in China more than almost all of them. Um, perhaps some of the others would, would rival that. But, you know, this performance, even though he actually finished last of all those finished in the final, you know, his semi-final performance and that 9.83 time has just been really celebrated here.
2: Uh, another athlete we've spoken before uh, is Zheng Ninali. Um, you've written about her on ChinaSportsInsider.com,
0: but for people who don't know who she is, can you just who, who is she? So she is uh, a Canadian-born uh, heptathlete. So that's the, the discipline where you do kind of, you know, seven of the, of, of the, the, the track and field events. And her grandmother is, uh, was formerly a national champion, Chinese national champion in the high jump. Never got to compete in the Olympics because back at that time, China uh, was either boycotting or, or not attending the Olympic Games, even though uh, she was uh, one of the best in the world. But she always kind of had this Olympic dream. And then uh, so Nina Schultz was the, uh, uh, the Canadian girl who was born. Her, her brother actually is an ice hockey player and uh, has played at kind of uh, low level um, professional levels as well. So very much a sporting family. But uh, earlier this year, she naturalized as a Chinese athlete. It was touch and go whether she was going to get the qualifying mark for Tokyo, but then she was accepted based on some uh, performances she'd done. Well, right now, we're in the middle of the heptathlon, so I think five out of seven events are uh, have been completed, and that finishes later today on Thursday. She's about 10th in the standings, about halfway through the field, so she's not going to win a medal at this stage, but it's pretty significant because it's the first... Chinese track athlete to have naturalised. Now, of course, she is, you know, half Chinese. She she's uh, she's she's got that that family pedigree, but uh, it's quite a different story. Uh, lo- lovely story about with the, with the grandmother's Olympic dream, kind of being realised more than 60 years later. That's what I kind of like about it. And I uh, was watching yesterday on CCTV. You know, they were they were profiling her and uh, you know Jiang Ninali as, as as her Chinese name as she's now known here. Uh, she, she's fluent in, in Chinese, so she's speaking to uh, to, to CCTV, and uh, you know, nice to see her her story being embraced by the media and and you know, by extension, by the fans here.
2: So, so one of the things that I was a bit worried about for her was the backlash she'd get from her birth country of Canada. But the reaction has seemed pretty muted. You know, I didn't watch the Canadian broadcast, but looking through Twitter, apparently CBC commentators didn't even mention that she used to compete for Canada. And and I just I wonder if that's because, you know, she's she's not. It looks like she's not going to medal. And there's just so many other feel good stories out there. So you know, that's you know, we'll see.
0: I I, th- I think so. I th- I'd say it's a couple of things. Um, she is uh, she 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 won a uh, she won a medal in the Commonwealth Games for Canada back in 2018 in uh, in the Gold Coast in Australia. So she's a, a legitimately a good athlete. She's only 22, so she's still got some good years ahead of her. But as you said, she hasn't been. Uh, you know, a medal contender here. And there's so many other things to talk about. Andre de Grasse, of course, huge story right now in Canada, winning the the 200 metres after all his uh, Olympic silvers and bronzes as well. So I also think that um, it's a bit of a negative story. And the, the, the CBC, the Canadian television broadcast that I've watched as well, I've been trying to watch as much as I can from, from the different countries uh, where possible. They're pretty classy, you know. They they got a good. Uh, it's it's a nice color story, but they're not going to turn it into sort of a, a geopolitical game. Um, I think her, you know her grandmother story is, is the is the the, the feel good you know, the, the the nice elements of the story here. Um, she clearly feels Chinese. She's, she's fluent in the language. She is ethnically half Chinese. I mean, like, why can't she compete for for a, a another country if she wants to? So. Um, I think uh, it's been good to see that that some of the more negative elements haven't been dredged up.
2: Another issue that you and I have spoken about, and you've written about quite a lot, is Rule 50, which is the IOC's attempt to, and I'm quoting here, protect the neutrality of sport and the Olympic Games. So back in April, you know, when the IOC put forward, Rule 50, you wondered whether Olympic protests would materialize in Tokyo and what the punishments would be for them. It looks like we might find out. So there were two examples this week. The IOC investigated Raven Saunders, who's an American shot putter. She made headlines for lifting her arms above her head, forming an X with her wrist. You can't see what I'm doing right now. Uh, so Saunders, who's, who's an LGBTQ athlete, went silver, and she explained that the X symbol represents... Uh, and I'm, again, I'm quoting the intersection of where all people who are oppressed meet. But the IOC stopped the investigation after Saunders's, uh, Saunders' mother died. And in the other incident, two Chinese athletes, Bao Shanju and Zhong Tianshu, won the gold medal in the women's cycling sprint. And on the podium, they wore Mao badges. Now, we don't Really know what they were trying to say by wearing these badges? It's it's I'm I'm puzzled because, um, you know the, the athletes haven't explained it, uh, but the IOC is investigating, and I'm wondering what they're going to do. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, it, it was a bit curious. I, I think it was it was people were kind of uh, faintly amused because the Global Times had sort of celebrated this with a post on Weibo, and then they posted on Twitter. You know, look at the 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 Chairman Mao badges prominently displayed. Uh, and then someone had kind of asked the question: "Isn't that a little bit political?" And the IOC sort of bans these political expressions. Now that's a whole sort of different argument. I'd be staggered if there's any penalty. the Ch- The Chinese Olympic Committee has been asked to explain the incident. Uh, they'll come up with something, and and we may or may not hear what the answer is. But it's it wasn't. It certainly wasn't the most provocative thing yes okay it's a political figure and so you could say that it's political statement which is kind of outlined but but the ioc you know since april when they announced their latest guidelines to rule 50 which in simple terms is basically an athlete's right to protest or or you know have freedom of expression in the field of playing surrounding the olympics they kind of softened that uh in the in the months since and sort of outlined some areas where people could uh, express their opinions, and they said, "Look, n- nothing on the podium, and so on." And so that's why, um, with with the American shoppers that there was an investigation. Um, but yeah, it's kind of surprising we haven't seen more of this, to be honest, um, because athletes are pretty uh, uh, pretty engaged. A lot a lot of athletes these days are pretty engaged with with uh, with issues that they feel strongly about, um, and so. We've, we've seen across a lot of sports people taking a knee bef- before uh, before soccer games and, and other things and so on so um, we haven't seen as, as much of, of that side now of course the next topic of course is what happens in uh, what happens in Beijing and, and do we have any more protests about a, a whole range of, of political and related topics and so that's something that the IOC, uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on. But I, w- I was sort of thinking that there might be more in Tokyo, which would give us a guide to how these incidences would be punished. They need to be a little bit careful because if they don't give any punishments to to any of the incidents in Tokyo, then some athletes might think, well, you know, what well, you know, they didn't get punished, so so I can do whatever I want, which is very much not what the IOC wants. They are very keen to kind of stop any of this, um, you know, political expression even though they've sort of relented in the face of some quite stern opposition. So anyway, we still got a few days to go. We'll see what happens with the chairman of our badges. It was you know, just, I don't know, it was a bit of a nothing, but it, it's, it, it, I suppose it's legitimate to, to investigate it. We'll see what happens, but I'd be very surprised if there's any kind of penalty. Let's end Olympic news on a good news story. China's women's basketball
2: team lost in the quarterfinals to Serbia, 77-70. That is not the good news. (laughs) Um, The good news is they had a really impressive showing. They went 3-0 in pool play, and I think you can consider that a win for this team. They're really young. Their average age is like 25, and and compare that to Serbia, uh, whose average age is 30. And, And best of all,
0: was the reaction of their coach after they lost. Mark, what did she say? Well, I don't have the the quote in front of me, but she was basically saying it, it was it was a fantastic learning experience for for the players. You know, she just kind of spoke quite refreshing, uh, refreshingly open and candidly about the team and saying, look, they're not going to expect her to win every game. Um, but she was she was really proud of, of the way that the players had done. To, for, for a Chinese coach, you know, where, where you're winning so many goals, basically to embrace what you could say is defeat in that way it w- was quite surprising even though there wasn't the pressure on on the chinese women's basketball team to win gold but basketball in china on the women's side you know has has seen some good results they got bronze in the 3 on 3 the the new form of basketball here and uh, and a pretty good run in the uh, in the 5 on 5 and and it's important i think to china because basketball is a popular sport uh, and they know that it's globally popular as well so so doing well and performing at kind of at the top level in some of these sports is, I think, in some ways more important. Uh, and this goes back to Su, Su Bing Tian. People know that track and the 100 metres is, is like, a, one of the biggest events of the Olympics. And so it's, it's more important to do well in that than it is in the, you know, the 10-metre pistol shooting, where China might win a gold, but to be honest, no one's really watching, no one really cares, even in China, um, let alone overseas. Whereas, um, you know, if China were to win some of these, of course... Every goal just counts for one, but but so they're not all created equally. So so some goals are, are clearly valued more than others. And I think basketball as a team sport is a big one. Um, but yeah, the, the coach was just basically saying, um, you know, she said, I think although we lost the game, we lost with honour. It sounds a bit cheesy, but I just thought it was kind of nice. She, you know, she said, I think today's result is the perfect reflection of Olympic sportsmanship and Olympic spirits. And just kind of recognition that... It's not all about gold it's about a learning experience and for this young team uh, they will have learned a lot uh in in how they performed and 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 in how they lost to to serbia and and hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be stronger in the future for it let's come back to china
2: in china we've been pretty sheltered when it comes to COVID. here yeah. in beijing we've gone like six months without a, a single case and that changed last week uh you know we're still in the single digits nothing to pack uh, to panic about um, but nationwide, this is probably the most significant outbreak since January 2020. In terms of sports, the Chinese Basketball Association has suspended its games for now. Yeah. And at this point, it's really hard to say what the impact is going to be um, on the Olympics. I mean, I'm not an expert on any of this, but you know, outbreaks in the in China in the past have been dealt with really comprehensively. Generally, contact tracing is really good. Lots of people are vaccinated, and I, I expect this outbreak to be dealt and the same way is there really anything else to add
0: i mean the olympics start in china on february the 4th next year it's now august the 5th so we are within six months it's, it's it's incredibly close the next two weeks are going to be critical in terms of can china sort of um you know are the 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 restrictions that they put in place just over the last few days are they enough to kind of uh, uh, stamp this out before it develops into something bigger China, as many people know, is, is kind of had this uh, COVID zero strategy, and um, it's not a strategy that that uh, that the the uh, the whole rest of the world is. Uh, you look at the UK, which is sort of fully opening again, and, and there's they're thinking, well, we we got vaccinations, we're good to go. So it's almost the opposite end of that spectrum. But what it does mean when it comes to the Olympics, I mean, it's hard to know. When you look at Tokyo, does China see this as a success or not? Because there haven't been too many high-profile uh, high incidents of athletes getting tested, uh, testing positive, or, or being sent home. There's been a handful, and there's been a few more of people connected to the Olympics, but not so many with the athletes. But you know, if you're managing to zero, then anything is is not good. For me, it probably breaks down into two areas. You've got uh, BOCOG, the organizers of the Beijing Games, who are basically trying to put on a big. Uh, entertainment event and and they will be pretty happy with what they see and then there'll be other people in china who were sort of trying to manage the case numbers down to down to zero and thinking well we've had hundreds of olympic related uh positive tests this is disastrous how we how on earth are we going to manage and let all these thousands of people coming into china next year so different people have different priorities um and it's still too soon to say, really. I mean, with just waiting and waiting. We don't know what the ticketing is going to be like. We don't know the sponsors are waiting. Can they put on any kind of related events? I'd be very surprised today, but this is almost changing week to week, uh, perhaps. Um, if international fans are allowed in, um, Tokyo kind of, uh, you know, set their stall out there. And I think China will likely follow that. Whether we get fans at all at the events is the big question right now there might be a distinction between outdoor events for the snow and and indoor events uh, back on the uh, the ice events back in Beijing and these closed um arenas that they might have a difference between um between between those two things but yeah it's at some point they're going to have to announce the policy and then stick to it but um at the moment still loads and loads of open questions something tells me this is not the last time we're going to talk about this <laughs> unfortunately not <laughs>
2: That's it for this week. Uh, We're going to be back next week. Stay tuned for some exciting news about a new home for the podcast. That news is going to come soon, I promise. Um, In the meantime, we would love to hear from you. The best way is probably Twitter. Um, We've already had some great feedback on Twitter. So Mark is at China. That's D-R-E-Y-E-R China. I'm at H-A-I-G-B-A-L-I-A-N. Leave a review. Let us know what you think. And the next time you hear us, the Olympics will be over. Bye for now. Goodbye.